This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We are in Exodus chapter two and uh, Moses is in the basket, the ark that was made by his mother. He's in the river. He's been placed in the reeds so that he don't float down the river. And uh, he, even though he's at work in salvation, he, he is not going to be swept out into the sea, which would be a picture of being swept out into the Gentiles. That's not what's happening. So this morning, as we study, we see that Pharaoh's daughter is coming along. And obviously, we know we can you can tell from this passage that his mother was one of the attendants in Pharaoh's court and her daughter, perhaps one of the maidens of Pharaoh's daughter, in fact, one of her servants. And there's a great opportunity here for Moses to be found and for him, him perhaps to be saved. And that's what the story is about. It's about God saving or bringing Moses to a place where his redemption or his deliverance of the people of Israel out of Egypt is possible, just a straight possibility. And so in verse five, we see, then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river. Now I want you to notice in our understanding of the pictures of the book of Exodus, Pharaoh is a picture of Satan. Now, that being said, Obviously, if we have the daughter of Pharaoh, that would be the daughter of Satan. But remember, Satan is also the ruler of this present world. The Bible calls him the prince of the power of the air. He's the ruler of this present world. And we see here in this picture that his daughter would have been, it would generally just be a picture of a woman of the world. And uh, I want you to recognize some things about Pharaoh's daughter here, because I think it's important. So many times we want to, when we listen to the news, and by the way, I sincerely believe this. I believe that the news media in every possible way wants to build division among people so that we don't see each other humanly. We don't see each other as humanity. We don't see each other as other human beings, as people. And so uh, oftentimes we see people on the other side whose hearts are already at work God's already at work changing their hearts and bringing them toward us. And all we'd have to do is give them the opportunity to hear the good news, give them the opportunity to have a conversion experience. And they would be, they'd be one of us. They'd be part of our family. They'd be a part of our understanding of how the world operates and how the world is to be understood. They would be one of us. And I think that is true in this story. I think this story is a beautiful picture of a woman of the world who she loves children 
And uh, you tell me how many women you run into, no matter where they come from, no matter what their background is, that doesn't love children. There's just, there. it's just, especially babies. They are, I, the reaction of females to babies is one of those wonders that God has made that maybe not, maybe can't be totally explainable by a male. And that being said, as we see it, and her maidens walked along the riverside, and when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. Notice her and her maidens are walking on the riverbank. They're walking on the riverside, and they see, they see the baby or the ark there uh, in the reeds, exactly where he was placed. He wasn't placed there to float down the river. He was placed there to be found. And oftentimes we think that uh, we think that it was just luck of the draw that Pharaoh's daughter was there. But in all actuality, it wasn't luck of the draw. It was his mother advantageously placing him in the right position. And that has a lot of pictures for it. First of all, if his mother is a picture of, of anything, she would have to be a picture of the church. And second of all, if his mother was a picture of anything, she put him in the right place to have the right opportunity to live. And boy, isn't that a picture of what the church ought to be doing with its children, pu putting them in every possible position in order that they might hear the good news, they might hear the gospel, that they might walk in it, and that they might grow and become all that they could be in the kingdom. She placed them in the reeds, and in that position, there was no way for that child to float downstream. And because she knew the comings and goings of the household of Pharaoh, she knew there was a strong likelihood that one of the females involved in that household, one of the one of the high arcs, one of the higher higher people, may might come by and see him. And because he was a baby, and because he was handsome, because he was a beautiful baby, she might have compassion on him. And that's exactly what we see happen here. It says when she opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the baby wept. And you know how women are with babies. I've already discussed that. When that baby cries, then I'll tell you this. I cannot, I can't explain it. There's just no possible way for me to explain it as a man. But how many times have I been in the church and there's been a baby and the baby started crying and the men are unfazed by it? It doesn't phase the men at all. But there's usually about 20 to 50% of the women in the room that they can't concentrate while that baby's crying. And the reason they can't concentrate is they have just one of those instinctual desires to take care of that child. And that is just one of those things that I think is amazing. It's one of those, one of those unique, wonderful gifts of nature that God has given us that the women have that just natural desire to take care and make sure that child is cared for. And, and when that ba until that baby stops crying, I don't have full attention of the congregation. And a lot of people say, well, you don't need to have babies in worship. I disagree. I think we need to have uh, children and babies in worship as much as possible. I think we need to be the family of God. And having children and babies in worship is just absolutely uh, what I feel like is perfect for the church. It sends the message that that we are this is not a this is not a teaching institution even though the word of God is taught. It's not a it's not a place where there is such structure that we can't have family and it is not a place 
where we're trying to work out some ultimate goals to the point that we can't understand the very intimacy of the relationships that God has given us. And as the church, we, when we meet, we should always look to have from the very youngest to the very oldest in our congregation. And if we don't have that, I'm going to tell you, if you do not have that, you are woefully inadequate as a church. I think of a lot of what we've done as congregations and as churches in the in our modern culture have been very destructive. First of all, we've got a lot of churches that have no young people, and that generally is because those churches have not put themselves in a position to have young fit people. They've they met their own needs. They sought out, sought to uh, take care of their own selves, and they've grown old and they're slowly dying, and they have nothing. On, on the backside, there's churches that are just totally designed to reach young people and have no no older folks, and those churches are. They're going to grow up in, in a way that is skewed, in a way that doesn't have a proper perspective. They're missing out on a lot of wisdom. They're missing out on a lot of a lot of assets that come from elderly people who love God and love to see God's people grow and walk with God. And those churches are stunted in their growth, and they're stunted in their future and the possibility God has for them. The family of God is the family of God, and that includes the from the babies all the way up to the oldest of individuals. And if you're going to have a healthy church, you got to have all of that. And if you don't have all of that, I would say, what exactly are you doing to cause that not to happen? And you need to take you need to take a census of what's going on and try to figure that out. And if you don't figure and if you don't figure that out, I'm going to tell you, you're either going to die. Are you going to grow up perverted and grow up in a bad direction such that in the end, it's going to lead to disaster? You need a healthy church should have a healthy population of all ages, of all races, of everybody from the community, from the richest and most influential to the poorest and those who struggle. It should have all of the family of God meeting there. So many times we want to make our churches the cool place to be. And so we exclude those who maybe come from backgrounds of difficulty and struggle. Maybe we would be the type to exclude the Moseses of the world because he doesn't come from the right group of people and we would miss out, wouldn't we? And he says, it says, the baby wept, so she had compassion on him. And this is one of the Hebrews, uh, she said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Notice, she knows what's going on. She can count. She can keep time. She knows what's happening. It says, then her sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? Notice that sister, Moses' sister, she capitalizes on the situation, doesn't she? Pharaoh's daughter sees that baby. Pharaoh's daughter takes that baby. You know what happened? She took that baby crying in her arms and she she couldn't have she couldn't handle it. That candy was not going to be uneaten. She was going to take care of that baby. And Pharaoh's Pharaoh's daughter had her had that baby in her arms. And Moses' sister asked her, You mean to go see if I can find a Hebrew woman to nurse that child and take care of it so that you can have that baby? And boy like a big mouth bass. She just, she saw that lure. She bit down hard and sucked it in and she was hooked. And that's exactly what happened here. And I think that is a, it's just no way of getting around. It is a fabulous story from the word of God. It is, it is a picture of God's sovereign will being carried out and God's foreknowledge and God putting 
Moses exactly where he needed to have him so that he might live and so that he might become and so that he might be prepared to be his deliverer for Israel. It says, uh, and Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take the child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. Notice, mama puts the baby in the in the basket, the ark, places him in the reed, and by nightfall, baby's back in her house under the protection of Pharaoh, under the protection of Pharaoh, and she's going to nurse him, and she's going to raise him up, and he's going to have a relationship with her that that she thought for sure would never happen, but God's sovereign will is bringing it about. It said, take the child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and she nursed him, and the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. Notice, he is now engrafted, or he's now adopted into Pharaoh's family. He's been given a position of power, but it's more important for that. He's going to be given a position where he can actually learn some of the most important things he's going to need to know in order to be the deliverer. He's going to know how Pharaoh's household works. He's going to know and understand and be taught principles of leadership. He's going to know and understand right and wrong, and he's going to know and understand what what is what is law. And he's going to be he's going to be taught all the most important things as a nephew of Pharaoh or as a grandchild of Pharaoh. He is going to be no matter who comes to power, he is going to be a part of that intimate circle, that small group of people that are the household of Pharaoh, and he eventually is going to gain greatly from this because Moses is going to become the leader of the people of Israel. He's going to become the writer of the first five books of the Bible. He is going to become the prophet or the one who spoke God's word and revealed God's nature and character to his people. And the only way for him to have learned how to write, learned the languages of his area, learned all the important things, both math and science and leadership, the only way for that to have ever happened in its fullness and happened in such a way that it would have been possible that the children of Israel had been delivered out of Egypt was that God's sovereign hand was on him and they placed him in a position so that he could learn, so that he could grow, and so that he could become. And that's exactly what happened. Verse 10 says, and the child grew and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. So he called his name Moses, saying, because I drew him out of the water. And I think that is a a beautiful picture. It's a picture of, remember, water is a picture of the washing or the cleansing power of the Holy Spirit. And she drew him out of the water. And that's what his name became. And notice, that's what his name remains. We never even know what his Hebrew name was or what his mama called him in Scripture. What we do know is that he is drawn out which means he's one that's been separated. That's what that word Moses means. He's been separated out of the water, and he's been set aside for a purpose. What we do know is this. That is the anointing of God. That is the hand of God, the sovereign hand of God at work to bring about his will in the world. One of the cool thing about that 
is oftentimes in the Old Testament, we ascribe that to these great men and women of the Old Testament. We say they are they were anointed by God. They have the power of God. They have the purpose and the will of God on them. And we place them again, like we want to do our pastors or spiritual leaders in modern times. We place them on a pedestal and we say, they're up there and I'm over here. And that is not the case. The anointing of the Holy Spirit, the power of God, the sovereign will of God, at work in someone's life that you see in the Old Testament is a foreshadowing of what God does with each and every believer that he that he redeems in our time. And we live in a time where the kingdom of God is no longer a nation and it's no longer in a building. It is in our hearts. And so if you have the kingdom of God inside of you, if you've, if you've been born again, if you've been converted and you've turned and chased after God and repented of of your will and chosen God's will, if that's you and that's what you've done, then I want you to hear me today. Then you're anointed. You've been set aside. You've been drawn out. You've been drawn out of the world. You've been drawn out of the river. You've been drawn out of the flow of time and history, and you've been set aside for God's purposes. And just like Moses, God is prepared to use you and place you in the right places and the right positions. And oftentimes we whine and moan about why is our life here and why are we doing this? And we fail to uh, take advantage of the opportunities that God is giving us to grow and to become and to learn so that we might be used by him in latter days. Later on, we might be used by him in powerful ways from the things we've learned in the moment that we're living right now. And I'm going to say this to you. If you are whining and moaning about your present circumstances, I guarantee you, you're not, you're not taking advantages of all the opportunities God's giving you to become, to grow, to see, and to be all that he wants you to be. And I'd say to you today, stop, look around, see what God's doing, see how he's working, see how he's ministering, see how he's leading, and learn, grow, become and eventually, he's going to raise you up and use you. And those who stop chasing after the world and realize that God's put them in the right place and begin to look around and grow and learn and see with your spiritual eyes, those that do that always end up in the right spot. Pharaoh's daughter comes by, and they always end up becoming what God has for them because God's will and God's plan it's, a, it, it's not happenstance or chance. It's perfect. And so I'd say to you, chase after that and quit whining about where you are today because tomorrow's coming. And will you be prepared for it and how you act and how you become today? And I guarantee you, if you'll walk with God today, walk by faith, say, this is the day the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. If you'll say that today, God will bless it and God will grow you and God will prepare you for the big anointed things he has for you down the road. May God bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. May he give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name. Amen. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.